Dear friend, I'm Dr. David Jeremiah, and I'd like to take a moment to speak with you as the world faces the coronavirus pandemic. There is no question we are living in a time of unprecedented uncertainty. It is unlike anything I have experienced in my whole life. And the temptation in times like these is to allow fear and worry to creep into our thoughts and to rob us of our joy. But in these uncertain times, we need to remember that God is still in control. And my prayer for you is that you are healthy, you're in a safe place and surrounded by those you love. Please keep the ministry of Turning Point in your prayers as well. We will continue to bring the healing power of God's Word to you each day on radio, television, and online. And I really hope this will be a source of encouragement to you during the current coronavirus. So be safe, be in the Word, and be in prayer. If you're a believer, you know how fulfilled you feel when you're living each day by faith. But faith is much more than just a feeling. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah takes a closer look at faith and the power and purpose it can bring to your Christian walk. From the series, 10 Questions Christians Are Asking, here's David to introduce the conclusion of his message, What is Faith? Well, we're talking about a very important subject. It's a life and death subject. It's a heaven or hell subject. It's eternal life or eternal damnation subject. You say, whoa, what what are we talking about here, Pastor? We're talking about faith. Faith is the key to heaven. If you don't have faith in Jesus Christ, you can't go to heaven. If you don't put your faith in what Jesus did on the cross to atone for your sin and mine, we can't be Christians. So we're talking about the nature of faith. We're looking at it from a very important passage in Hebrews 11 verses uh, 1 through 3 and verse 6. And we'll get back to it in just a moment. Hey, we're running out of time for you to get the book that memorializes this series. We have a book with the same title as the series because the series comes from the book, 10 Questions Christians Are Asking. And we've talked about a lot of things, friends. We've talked about how to be sure of your salvation, how to overcome temptation, how to get victory over worry, how to find forgiveness, um, we've asked questions, is there only one way to God? Why Christians have so many problems? Why don't our prayers get answered? Is there a sin God cannot forgive? What is faith? These are the questions we've been discussing. They're all on the series that you're listening to. They're available through a CD package. You can get that from davidjeremiah.org. But it's printed in a book with the same title, 10 Questions Christians are asking, available only from Turning Point. It's a Turning Point publication, and you can have your copy uh, by simply sending a gift of any size to Turning Point during the month of May. And when you send your gift, be sure to ask for a copy of this 230-page hardcover book, 10 Questions That Christians Are Asking. Now, friends, we're in the very last days of this month, and it won't be long before this this opportunity will go away. When we turn the calendar over into the month of June, we'll introduce a new resource. But you still have some time. Make sure you get your gift in the mail today. Do the best you can to help us with this incredible task God has given us to get the word out to around the world. And uh, your gift is tax deductible. It will go in its entirety to airtime and production, enabling us to expand the ministry of Turning Point everywhere. 
Right now, let's get back to our lesson. We're talking about what is faith? Over the years, when I first started in ministry, I used to be involved in teaching the evangelism course in our church. We based it upon Evangelism Explosion, which was James Kennedy's outline of presenting the gospel. When you go out every week, as I did, in fact, for a period of time in my life, I had appointments every single night of the week and some on Saturday. All I did was go and talk to people about Jesus Christ. That's how that church grew in Fort Wayne before I came here. Sooner or later, if you do that enough, you're going to find that people ask questions, and there are a lot of the questions that become very similar. And one of the questions people asked was about faith. You would say to them, do you have faith? Oh, yes, faith. I believe. I really believe. What do you have faith in? Well, I just have faith in faith. So I read the story someplace, and I used to ask them this question. If you were to go ice fishing, would you rather have a tiny little bit of faith on four feet of ice, or would you rather have a whole bunch of faith on two inches of ice? The vast majority of people said they would rather have a whole bunch of faith on two inches of ice. And beside making a note never to go ice fishing with those people, (laughs) I tried to help them understand that it is not how much faith you have, it's what is the object of your faith? How worthy is the object of your faith? That's the whole issue. So if you're trying to build your faith, don't sit around trying to womp it up. Get in the Bible and learn about Jesus, and the more you learn about him, the thicker your ice will become. (laughs) And it won't take much to believe in him if you know who he is, because his record is so clear and so clean, you'll get emotionally involved with him. First of all, there's perception, then there's persuasion, but finally there has to be a performance. You say, do you believe that you have to do a work in order to be saved? Absolutely not. But you have to respond to faith You have to let your will get involved. Saving faith is the whole of my being, embracing the whole of who Christ is. My mind, my emotion, my will. And here's where some people get lost when faith is involved. I read a story about a philosopher and a scientist and a simple man, none of whom could swim. They were trapped in a cave with sheer cliff faces. They split up, but the tide kept coming in, and rescuers lowered a rope with a safety harness, and the philosopher said, ah, this looks like a rope, but I might be mistaken. It could be wishful thinking. It could be an illusion. So he didn't attach himself, and he drowned. The scientist said, ah, this is an 11-millimeter polyester rope with breaking strain of 28,000 Kilograms, it conforms to the MR 1081 standard, and then proceeded to give an exhaustive and entirely correct analysis of the rope's physical and chemical properties. But he didn't attach himself and he drowned. The simple man said, I'm not sure if this is a rope or a python tail, but it's my only hope, and I'm grabbing on with all my heart, and it's going to save me. And he was saved. Real faith doesn't bypass the mind, doesn't bypass the emotion but neither does it bypass the will. Real faith says, I will. Real faith says, I do. Real faith says, I believe it. I accept it. I receive it. And if you haven't come all the way through the process, you don't have real faith. Then we have the demonstration of faith in this passage. And verse 2 says, For by faith the elders obtained a good report. Do you know who the elders were? Those are all the people who believed God, listed in the chapter. 
Here the Bible tells us that by faith, verse 2, we commend ourselves to our creator. By faith, the elders obtained a good report. You want to have a good report with God? You have to have faith. Hebrews 11, 5 says that Enoch's testimony pleased God because he walked with God. We're going to learn in a few moments that you can't please God apart from faith. Faith is the one thing that gets God's attention, that pleases God. And then in verse 3, we're told that by faith we comprehend creation. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. What an incredible text. This whole argument that we seem to continue to keep alive in our culture today about where did we all come from and how did the world start, here it is right here. The Bible says that we understand how the world began by faith. And the evolutionist says, well, that's the problem. That's so unscientific. Hold on. Faith in God gives us an understanding of the universe. God created the worlds by his word. The Greek word translated world here means worlds, ages, the natural universe. Here we are told that the world began in a certain way. How did it begin? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Listen to the psalmist's commentary on that. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. All the host of them by the breath of his mouth. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. That means that what we see, the material universe, was not made by material things. An unseen power, God, created what we see. There is an old story about God and an atheist having a contest. The atheist said, I can make man just like you can. And God said, go for it. So he said, we'll each take some dirt and we'll make man. And he started and God said, get your own dirt. (laughs) Isn't that really the issue? All of the men that I know who are atheistic evolutionists can reason all they want to except when they get to the beginning of it all and where it started. And they come up with some big bang and that still doesn't answer the question. Where did all the elements come from that the big bang expressed? And they have no way of knowing. Everybody says that evolution is a scientific theory. Evolution is the most unscientific thing you will ever read. Not one of their theories can be proven. And most of them have been disproven. Yet we carry it on in our schools and in our culture as if it were in stone. How did the world come into being? The Bible says, by faith we believe that God spoke and it happened. If you listen to the modern atheistic evolutionists, they love to make fun of evangelicals because of our faith. But what they refuse to acknowledge is the fact that they operate on faith just as we do. Say whatever else you want to say because faith is the evidence of things not seen. And as far as I know, there are no evolutionists who were around here when all these things they said happened so they could observe it and write it down. Sir Arthur Keith was a renowned evolutionist of the 20th century. 
As a young man, he had attended evangelistic meetings in Scotland, and he watched many students make their commitments to Jesus Christ. He himself often felt like he was on the verge of conversion, but he pushed it away, rejecting the gospel because he felt the Genesis account of creation was a myth and that the Bible was a human book. Later, as a scientist, Keith became intrigued by a famous discovery in England. 40 miles from downtown London, in a gravel pit near the village of Piltdown, some bones had been discovered, portions of a human skull, a molar, and a lower jaw. Soon it was announced by the Geological Society of London that these were the remains of the earliest known Englishman, and anthropologists worldwide hailed this as the missing link in the evolutionary chain. The literature that was published on the Piltdown Man is legendary. Believe it or not, more than 500 doctoral theses were written about the Piltdown Man. And Sir Arthur Keith devoted the rest of his whole life to studying and writing about the Piltdown Man, which became, as you know, Exhibit A for evolution courses being taught all over the world. And then in 1953, the British Museum proclaimed that the entire thing was a fraud. The jawbone was not much older than the year in which it was found. The bones had been treated with iron salts to make them appear old. And scratch marks were detected on the teeth indicating that they had been filed down. Sir Arthur Keith was 86 years old when his colleagues visited him at his home to break the news to him that the fossil he had put his faith in for 40 years was a hoax. A great scholar had rejected the witness of both God's natural creation and the Lord Jesus whose resurrection validated everything he said and did only to put a lifetime of misplaced faith in what proved to be a hoax. Not your faith. It's the object of your faith. Don't ever let an evolutionist tell you they don't have faith. I'll tell you what, it takes a whole lot more faith to be an evolutionist than it does to be a Christian. The description of faith and the demonstration of it, notice the demands of it, now we dump to verse 6. For without faith it is impossible to please God. And that's true because faith is essential. Faith is essential. You cannot please God without faith. You say, why is that? Let me tell you why. God makes the rules. Faith is part of the DNA of a Christian. You can't please God without faith. Argue with God. It's just what God says. Faith is not only essential, but faith is a divine explanation. It says, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. The beginning of faith is simply believing that God is. I've read a lot of stories about atheists who have struggled to come to the truth. And many of them have come this far that they believe there is a God. They haven't accepted Jesus. They haven't become Christians. But they've at least taken the first step toward faith in that they believe that God is. They've come to the conclusion that there's no logical explanation of the universe if there is no God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him because the one who comes to God must believe that he is. Not only that, this is a divine expectation. Not only believe that he is, but that he is a rewarder of those who will seek him. The Bible says that if you will seek God, he will be found. 
Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and you will find me if you search for me with all your heart. Amos 5, 4 says, Thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live. And we all know the verse from Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What does the Bible say? The Bible says if a man will really seek after God, he will be found. Missiologists understand that. The Bible says God has revealed himself in his creation. That if a man really wants to know God and he seeks after God, he will be found. You say, well, I don't know that I believe in God. My question to you, sir, my question to you, ma'am, is are you really searching for him? Are you really seeking after him? Don't just come and say, well, I'm not sure I believe in God. Here's the question. How much do you care? How much have you sought after him? What have you read that helps you understand who God is and what God does? For the Bible says God will reward those who seek after him. God will bring those who seek after him. There's so many stories about people in places where the gospel has never been preached who have followed the knowledge that was available to them only to find themselves in front of somebody who knew about Jesus and told them how they could know God. I don't pretend to understand it all, but that's what the word of God says. Then you come to the derivatives of faith. What are the derivatives of faith? The derivatives of faith are the rest of the 11th chapter. This chapter is filled with the names of people who are my favorite characters in all the Bible. You know why? They made the Hall of Fame. These are some of God's best people. There's 27 of them that are by name, and then there's a whole bunch of unnamed ones that we will talk about too. These people are going to tell us how the just live by faith. They're going to show us how you bring the right sacrifice and so on. Paul declared that we walk by faith and not by sight. He wrote to the Galatians, I live by the faith of the Son of God. And I want you to remember something as we close our Bibles, that faith is not a passive word. Faith is an active word. Faith does something. You say, well, Pastor Jeremiah, where did you get that? Hang on, this is going to be a fast trip through Hebrews 11, as fast as I can talk, so you get the message as empowered as it can be. Are you ready? Faith brings the proper sacrifice. Faith enables one to walk with God. Faith builds an ark when it's never rained. Faith goes out not knowing where it's going. Faith dwells in tents in a foreign country. Faith looks for a city whose builder and maker is God. Faith receives strength to bear a child when the mother is past the age of childbearing. Faith offers up one's own son in obedience. Faith believes in the resurrection. Faith promises not to leave Jacob's bones in Egypt. Faith refuses to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Faith chooses to suffer affliction with the people of God. Faith esteems the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Faith forsakes Egypt for the promised land. Faith passes through the Red Sea as on dry ground. Faith walks around Jericho till the walls fall down. Faith subdues kingdoms, works righteousness, obtains promises, stops the mouths of lions, quenches the violence of fire, escapes the edge of the sword, turns flight to the enemies of aliens. Faith receives the dead back to life, and faith receives the promise. What does faith do? (laughs) You see, don't let anybody tell you, oh, faith is just a feeling. No, faith is something that happens. Faith acts. In fact, let me just take it one step down. Let me get rid of all the descriptions. Let me just read the verbs. Faith obtains, understands, offers, pleases, prepares, obeys, goes out, waits, receives, embraces, confesses, declares, seeks, desires, offers, 
concludes, blesses, worships, mentions, refuses, chooses, esteems, looks, forsakes, fears, endures, keeps, passes, encircles, receives, works, obtains, stops, quenches, escapes, and becomes. All of those are verbs. (laughs) Isn't it interesting just to go through this chapter and realize that when you have faith, it empowers you. It empowers you not just to sit back and admire your faith, but to turn on the switch. Faith initiates your relationship with God. Faith is not only the obstetrician bringing you into the family. Faith is the pediatrician that helps you learn how to live in the family. And if you don't have faith, you don't have anything. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't get to God without faith, and you can't walk with God without faith. And I'll make a prediction that you and I are going to learn a lot more about faith in these next years than we have ever learned in history. So the question becomes, do you have it? Do you have faith in Christ, in God, in his word? In his book, The Power of Positive Praying, Pastor John Bassanio tells a story from his relationship with his daughter. Gives us a really good picture of how faith functions. He said one day his daughter, Melody Jan, age five, came to him and asked for a dollhouse. And John Bassanio promptly nodded and promised to build her one. And he went back to reading his books. Soon he looked out the window and saw his daughter with her arms filled with dishes and toys and dolls, making trip after trip until she had a huge pile of playthings in the yard. And he called his wife in and he said, what in the world is Melody Jan doing? Oh, she said, honey, you promised to build her a dollhouse and she believes you and she's getting ready for it. John Bassanio said, you would have thought I'd been hit by an atom bomb. I threw aside my books, raced to the lumberyard for supplies, and I quickly built that little girl a dollhouse. Now, why did I respond, he said. Because I wanted to? No. Because she deserved it? No. Her daddy had given his word, and she believed it, and she acted upon it, and when I saw her faith, nothing could keep me from carrying out my promise. Now, it's an imperfect illustration because John Bassanio is a flawed father. But our father is not flawed. He's perfect. What he has promised, he will do. So we should be carrying the toys out into the yard, shouldn't we? Faith responds to the promise of the father. And his promise, men and women, is this. If we will place our faith in his son alone for eternal life, he will give us his son as our savior. And we will receive the gift of God, which is eternal life, and we will spend eternity with him in a place that is even now being prepared for those who will put their trust in Jesus Christ. You say, well... When I can fully comprehend it and understand it through my logic, I will receive Jesus. If you wait until then, it will never happen. Ask God to energize your faith. Say, Lord God, give me faith today 
so that I can believe your promise and I will receive eternal life through Jesus Christ. Some of you need to do that today. Some of you need to say, I believe. Help my unbelief, Lord. And then you take the step. You take the step of faith and watch what God does in your life. He will change you. You will look back and say, that's the most important moment in my life. And you will come to know him, whom to know is life eternal. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I have been, uh, I've been doing the work of an evangelist these last few days. You know, the Bible says that we may not have the gift of evangelism, but we're to do the work of evangelism. That means share the gospel everywhere you can, any way you can, to whoever you can, the best that you can. And that's what I've been trying to do. Uh, this um, influence that God has given us with this incredible radio network is a, a real challenge. And sometimes it's frightening to me to realize that people listen to this program who may never, ever hear the gospel in any other way. And uh, you may be one of those people today. You don't know much about the gospel, but something's stirring in your heart, and you know you need a change, and that uh, God is there. You just don't know how to know him. Well, the Bible tells us if you put your trust in his son, Jesus Christ, and believe in your heart that he will forgive your sin because of his death on the cross, you can become a Christian. And that burning question in your heart will start to clear up as you get to know God in a personal way. Let me encourage you today to open your heart to receive Jesus Christ. Ask him to forgive your sin and uh, he'll change everything about you. Old things will pass away and all things will start becoming new. Let us know if you make that decision. We have some things to send you that will help you. I'll see you right here tomorrow. The message you just heard originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. How has your life been impacted by this ministry? Let us know by writing to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta BC, V4L 2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, 10 Questions Christians Are Asking and learn to live with greater confidence. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series 10 Questions Christians Are Asking here on Turning Point. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you will be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. There is an old German proverb that says, when a dove begins to associate with crows, its feathers remain white, but its heart grows black. The point is not to disparage the crows of the world, but to say that changes can happen on the inside, even when things look normal on the outside. 
There are proverbs in the Bible that warn about the dangers of intimate association with those who do not share our spiritual values. On the other hand, we are called to befriend all who need the love of God, being careful to keep our hearts pure and our values in place. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's guidelines for friendship on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.